Hi everyone and welcome back to the Leadership Growth Series. I'm really excited to have someone on today who I had the pleasure of actually going for a walk on the prom with not so long ago. Um, Sheila E. Here, he, oh, I'm after forgetting how to pronounce the name, Huron. Sheila, Sheila E. Huron. Huron. And she's to help me learn my Irish, even though I'm from a Gaelfuck area, it's coming quite handy. Um, Sheila, will you tell people about you today? Obviously, I know you from LinkedIn. I've seen all your amazing posts and I'm a big fan of what you speak about in your podcast. Um, that'd be fantastic. Thank you very much. It's absolutely lovely to be here, Louise. Thank you. My pleasure. And I too thoroughly enjoyed that walk on the prom. Uh, Two-way conversations were always really helpful and particularly when they're heart-shaped. So I am Sheila Huron, as you said. I have been in education for 30 years. So I was a primary school teacher. I taught in every classroom from junior infants to six throughout my time. I was also in middle and senior management. I worked in SEN and I would have had occasion to work up with people that were working in a centre for autism. So I had such a wide variety of experience in my time in education. I then in positioning myself for an early retirement, I retrained as a psychotherapist. And I have to say that was the most important and significant piece of formal learning I ever treated myself to and involved in in my life. And I have been CPDing since I was knee height for grasshopper. I've been since I was four, I'm in school. And aren't we all in the super classroom of life? So I suppose retraining as a psychotherapist was my chance to realize, oh my goodness, I actually, this resonates with me. I know this stuff. I just never knew there was a book or there were books that said what I was screaming to find words for. So I loved that and I got excited about using it. I straddled both words for a little while. I went job sharing in school. I began building my private practice. And then when COVID came, it was the ideal time, you know, without being in any way um, less than sensitive to all of the people that suffered, whose businesses tanked in COVID and they suffered so terribly and it was so difficult to get their feet under them again. Mine soared. There was a need for it and no ambulance chasing and intended. It, there was a need for it. And when you're doing something that is for the higher good, however professional or amateur or fee-paying or non-fee-paying it's a really good thing to do it's a learning experience for self and it's beneficial for others so I was working away in my private practice I got an opportunity to retrain again and bring in some life coaching some business coaching I've done some corporate training now and leadership is a huge area of interest of my own personally for lots of my own personal experience in education good bad and indifferent and also just because I want to feed into what the world needs right now and it, it's crying out for a steer children cry out for correction when they're young and I think us adults are crying out for a steer in leadership children cry out in education spaces for a direction to go in that's good for them and will grow them and I think leaders are looking for I think they're open to the many the menagerie of ways that there are to do it there's no one way to wash the wear so I'm very interested in leadership restorative leadership quality leadership resilient leadership uh, disruptive leadership and I'm working a lot with clients around building cultures in spaces that grow everybody and allow emerging leaders for example to find their voice and be heard and seen so then in a beautiful twist of it when all of that was working so well I got the chance to bring my inner child out to play I was offered an opportunity to act in Ross Naroon so I'm a fluent Irish speaker as he said and I'm now acting and I'm signed to the end of this season with Ross and Rune. So I'm over and back to Spiddle in Galway, which has very much reduced my business 
in Dundalk. But equally adaptively, it's a fantastic learning ground for me. People are fabulous. The culture in Rossnaroon as a place to work is amazing. It's electric. I'm learning so much, thoroughly enjoying acting and really hoping, to be honest, that I can lean into this going forward. Um, I don't want to make any huge, I suppose, emotions-based decisions because I'm so excited about it. I want to pain my vanities a little bit. My character hasn't really aired yet. I appeared, my character appeared in two episodes. It's all going to kick off in a greater way now from next week as um, Shrike, Fierce the Shark, starts as the new season begins. My character is written into the end of the season. It's so exciting. And I need to just not make emotions-based decisions right now. I want to remember to make values-based decisions. I'm just settling myself. I'm doing a lot of grounding when I do the work because I am between Dundalk and Spittle, but I can tell you, I am loving it. And for me, 52 is the new 22, because it, it just, it's never been as good. So much fun, so much learning, and so much quality connection. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I love how open you are as well, Sheila, not only to people experiences, you're, you're very much an open heart, and I think things come towards you. And I suppose, Myself and Sheila were talking before we came on here and it was it was a really interesting chat uh, and there was a lot of things said and I'd love to revisit some of them because, as I said, I visited Sheila is coming to Galway and we went for a lovely walk on the prom. And you know one of those moments when someone and I've never went for a walk, uh, you know, networking or whatever and had someone bring me an apple. And once she gave me the apple to eat, I said, right, she's my type of lady. <laughs> she gave me a lovely apple to eat, which it was thoughtful. I think it was the thoughtfulness behind it, which is what I seen straight away from Sheila. But Sheila is very much a giving person. And that was not only a walk for me, it was very much an insight into into you, Sheila, into how your mind works, but also an insight. I, I love seeing how people word things and, and how they um, explain things and, and what their outlook is and perspective. And that really helped me, I suppose, have an aha moment when we were on that prom that day. And what we're going to talk about today was this vulnerability came up um, and I totally was not expecting vulnerability to come up at all on my walk with Sheila, but it actually reared its head in a really nice way, Sheila. Um, and I suppose, you know, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an insight into what happened. So I said to Sheila before we went live, and we weren't going to talk about this at all, but we're just going to go with it because uh, we're go with the flow type of people. But I, I had one of those aha moments. And, and when I actually had it, it was that Sheila had said, I'd said to Sheila, she said, you know, what is it? What, you know, what is your wire? What, you know, what is it Louise wants to, what's Louise about? And and I, I answered the question with, you know, I want to help others. And and Sheila really turned that around as a coach um, to me um, and said, but Louise, like, you know, who's given to you? You know, and and I was I really had to think about it um, because I wasn't going to answer it. Uh, and I was answering it up until that point in an autopilot way. OK, so I was kind of answering it like, you know, without realizing it. Um, and I think, you know, 
our words become our worlds. And that always resonated with me because it's so, so powerful, um, Sheila. But when you said that to me, and then I was, we'd, we'd had loads of other conversations which got to that end point, right? So it wasn't just said and it was happened. There was a lot said leading up to that. So that was kind of the breaking point where I was like, right, there's something going on here. It's, been, you know, I was actually starting to listen at that point to what I was saying, not what Sheila was saying, because it's fascinated with what Sheila was saying. And, and, and I said that and I really went home and thought about it. And what ended up actually happening was I signed up to a yoga class. Now, for anyone that knows me, I used to yoga a very long time ago and um, loved it. But I never found the time to go back into it again. And if anyone's seen my Instagram post, you would have seen that I went to yoga um, about a week ago. I went to a fantastic class down in Sawtill there. And it was a beautiful set and it was a wonderful class. And I just felt so energized within myself first. Now, when I came out of the class, I loads of missed calls from my son who wanted me to bring home chocolate, do all, you know, but but it was that I had that time to myself that I wasn't thinking, okay, I need to go home, get my son's dinner, I need to do this, I have someone texting, that it was literally me time that I was like switched off and I was so in the moment. Um, it was It was just amazing and you know, I had so much energy the next day and I wasn't really doing a lot of energy things in that room. They gave me a little bit of chocolate. Uh, they gave me a blanket. It was a lot of nice breathing. It was fantastic. These lovely oils. But it was just that that time that I needed. And I think I never really thought about that, I suppose, a lot until I had that chat with you, Sheila. And I suppose, what's your take on that? Because obviously I'm sharing with everyone my kind of story on it. But obviously... You have another way of looking at it because you were obviously chatting to me along the way and um, you obviously were asking those really great questions. Um, So what's your take on it? Well, my take on it is congratulations and well done because you did the most important thing you can do for your business apart from for yourself. Mm. Because when you can take time out, be still, Mm. in that space, you allow the body to calm the mind. And when you allow the body to calm the mind, you keep your body physically well and physiologically well. So we had also chatted about the body keeps score and how we can begin to feel sensation in various spaces and places in our body. And if we feel that over a period of time, we're building a habit for that, a habit for feeling it. So we throw off chemicals when we feel certain things regularly, chronically, and it can become a, you know, a state of body that we like, that we maybe call illness or dis-ease if it goes to any further stage. And really what that's doing is it's a message, it's a fax from the other side. It's a fax from the universal intelligence saying, you've got to slow down. You've got to do things differently. There are many ways to wash the wear. You know, fill your cup. And I, I really believe that self-care is the most selfless thing any of us will ever engage in and the ripple effect is phenomenal and and is limitless so like you say you had a number of missed calls when you came out but you can be very sure you are more capable of dealing with those in a more contained and managed and manageable way because you'd have that time to just be sometimes it's enough to just breathe and be we can very often create a state of mind and body where that which is happening on the inside is at a pace that doesn't match what's happening on the outside. 
So if people are strolling on the prom and they all look carefree and they're strolling with their friends and they're eating apples, they look like they haven't got a worry in the world. And if on the inside, just, oh my God, I've got to go and I've got to get home for dinner and then I've got to send that email and oh my God, I've got to send that email. The disparity between what's happening on the outside, which can sometimes look to be at quite an ideal pace versus how quickly things are moving on the inside mm. and cause a reason for our body to pick up sensation inflammation. It can cause our bodies to servant becomes master. Our bodies are supposed to serve our brains and what we think, but the servant can become the master. So we had chatted about building business, um, corporate training, leadership, public speaking, and all of the things that are very arduous and uh, they require a lot of our spare capacity. But in order to be ready for those, ever ready for those, because our business needs us, we need to earn money to live our lives. We do need to fill our own cup. And yoga is a beautiful way to do that. Breathing, disruptive breathing, functional breathing, cost-free, always available. You know, innately in our emotional tool belt, we just don't know to reach for it. So when you change your breathing in yoga and stretch and just realize in that time space, you haven't got a worry in the world, you then begin to change your gray matter you change the shape of your brain we have neuroplasticity so we can build in positive habits the same way we build in habits that aren't so good for our health and our wellness so my take on it is that you did a really good thing my further take in relation to this conversation being leadership based is that within public enterprise private enterprise where people are in leadership roles i think it's very important i think the epicenter of quality leadership is an awareness that it's very important that people have a cutoff point, that people that it's absolutely okay to not be in your role-based place all the time. People have stars and stripes, they uh, receive promotions, they have labels, that's wonderful, but they are people behind it, they're not machines, and they have to go to the gas tank of life and replenish their fuel, and they do it doing things like what you did or meeting a friend on the beach to have a stroll and to just do a little bit of breathing before they do that. So it's most beneficial. People are entitled to be offline as much as they're required to be fully online. And that's a whole conversation in its own right. But to speak to your point, initially, I would say you did a wonderful thing. And I would add to that in relation to this thing in leadership, retail growth, um, strategies for quality leadership in particular, people are dealing with people in retail. So they particularly need to be okay to be offline on occasion, replenish, refuel, and thereby be better at resetting within business when not everything goes their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think there's a big talk about vulnerability and I think vulnerability for places that maybe didn't have that to begin with and trying to bring that in and we touched on before we went around I think it's change really that we need to see if we if we do have those unhealthy work habits and built you know and some people you know it it can be built from you know family values it can be built from from it might even be based in the workplace you know I, I I know a client that you know the CEO is very much switch off your phone, but she's dealing with someone on the exec team that that senior executive team that just doesn't seem to want to switch off. So for how do you as a leader, do you think, Sheila, I suppose, 
give them that now we obviously had a walk on the prom it was you know it was and, and we got to a point where it was really really comfortable but when we're in the workplace how do we get to that point with teams or how do we how do we I suppose lead that way or, or what do you think needs to be done in order to encourage that or influence that sure excellent question and that's where the change begins is in these conversations so yeah. conversations are hugely important the conversations that happen behind the scene but then you have to be very discerning when you go into business because you know business from two to three to twelve people versus the big public companies you know and, and maybe spread over many countries thankfully no frontiers now we can use this space to train conversations are important to get the training in place but once training comes into place it has to be very structured it has to be we need to get into the linear brain then you know there's room for the heart-based thinking in the boardroom but it also has to be structured so what i talk about what i practice and what i have phenomenal results from is doing an emotional needs audit you, you have businesses everywhere you have retail now i talk a lot about private enterprise but a passion of mine going forward is to bring some of this change to public enterprise. And, and I suppose that's a conversation for another day. It's a very different model, but I, I really see a huge need for change and a dearth of that training coming into those places by comparison with the training that I see happening in private enterprise. So I think it's hugely important that these conversations happen so that leaders and trainers like myself and yourself go into establishments with a structure in place. We will see health and safety officers coming on site. We will see um, inspectors. We will see food safety inspectors. We will see all sorts of audits being done in establishments. In my opinion, it's absolutely time to have the emotional needs auditor walking in the door regularly. You can have the doorstep emotional needs audit if I'm employed by your company to make regular visits, to bring a certain amount of hours to the space. And if you identify on a given week or month that there are three people who are vulnerable at the moment, they might need some private time with me. I can then feed back to the people that need to hear how things are going for those people. So doing an emotional needs audit with individuals, but equally training within the pyramid of communication within establishments, training groups on how to bring the emotional needs audit into their department and always having feedback, and always auditing from the top down. So with due respect to our leaders, because we're actually all leaders. Yeah. In, in a healthy world, we're all leaders. We need to know that. And we're all leading even from within ourselves. Just the energy that we emit is a leadership energy. And we need to know that in a democracy apart from everybody's a leader you know and what you say matters and it you know it's going to have a kickback so and, and that that's quite attitudinal so if everything's about an attitude pick a good one but that type of generic change has to come from these conversations in the background and then I suppose the the soldiers being dispersed to go into establishments as emotional needs auditors so to check and see are from the ground up are people's basic emotional needs being met? But from the top down, are leaders with due respect and very positively being audited in their role to make sure that from the bottom up, people are being seen and heard. Also then the innate resources toolkit. Check and see who has what going on naturally that's being used in the workplace. Who has what going on naturally that hasn't even been tapped into? Who has what going on naturally and inherently that we didn't even know they have a talent or a skill set for? 
who would like to grow their skill set in such and such a department or type of presentation? And we never gave them an opportunity to express that to us. How can we get them into an advancement space? How can we give people training opportunities? So allowing people to use their innate resources to the best of their ability, tangibly and emotionally. By that, I mean people being able to have hard conversations. So I talk about when the hard conversations aren't difficult. And if there's a toolkit in place, so coming from the emotional needs audit, where there's very generic language that people accept, because when you use something repeatedly, people can feel a sense of safety in it. They believe in it. And they can put their trust in. So trust, that was another thing we chatted about. Um, trust is a cognitive thing before it's a feeling thing. So you physically have don't trust with your heart. It's, it's a whole relationships discussion that I love having as well and bringing some understanding to what even is trust. So trust is, it's a cognition. It's a choice to put it cognition before it's heartfelt. You put your trust into something and then you can feel it quite quickly or if not, your intuition. So that which you hear, almost like a voice from the inside, your intuition teaches you not to put your trust in there again. So in the workplace, when people are feeling seen and heard, when their emotional needs are being checked in with, but more importantly, when there's a feedback in a quality adaptive way, leaders and from the top down, about what these people have said. In my opinion, you then have safer places where people can put their trust into the system. And the system works better. Profits are organic. Productivity is organic. Mm. Healthy, happy, wholesome attitude to life is really, it, it's, it's addictive and it's intoxicating. And the more you create, it's a bit like insulin in the body, the more you create, the more gets created. That's not always good. So you've got to, lean into it to make it good to suit you. It's the same in work. Pick mm. up what's coursing through the veins of the establishment. Notice it, it won't always be good, mm. but catch it. But the signs are there. There's, a, there's, a, there's always a trail of crumbs, so the signs are there. So pick up, be okay with the vulnerability from the top down of listening to what's working and what's not working for absolutely everybody in the ecosystem. Because within that vulnerability from the top down, there's room for creativity for innovation for progressiveness and there's no leader can do anything on their own we have to be team and team comes from that beautiful awareness of vulnerabilities weakness you know it's genuinely as um i had a, i was involved in a fabulous call during the week with a group of people called living uh, well a representative of living and their strap line is it's not weak to speak i thought that was just so powerful it's not weak to speak you're not you know, it's lovely to be vulnerable enough and safe enough to be able to get in touch with your vulnerability in um, in a strong way. So have those hard conversations sometimes to feedback, look, that's not working for me. I have a skill set in this area. You gave the job to so-and-so. You didn't give me the opportunity to present. I'd like, I don't want them not to have it, but I'd like my opportunity to do it too. And so we continue to well, keep the machine well-oiled and moving in the right direction. Do you think, because um, I obviously I've seen vulnerability and, and do you think it's vulnerability is easier for some people personality wise than other people? Do you think that that's possible that you, you have an organization where it's very much embraced by the CEO, by that by that top level leadership, but the middle management, one or two of them just 
they just don't really buy into it, I suppose. Um, that, you know, you, you have some that are really on board with it and some just, um, you know, how do you kind of, I suppose, win them over in that respect? People that just aren't, you know, they're, they're not really seeing the value of it. Do you think some people gravitate more to it, maybe more open people, maybe more uh, outgoing? We talk about introverted people. Do you think that that comes into play at all, Sheila, or no? I do. I think it's a really important um, and quite a change-making conversation, Louise. I think it's probably the catalyst for very positive change, not just in business, but in politics and therefore the world over. Um, So, yeah, it's an extremely important conversation. What is personality? Personality is how you think, how you act and how you feel. And your personality will determine your personal reality Mm -hmm. and your energy field. So, can people change? Yes, they can. You know, we, we have these idioms built into us, you know, uh, can't teach an old dog new tricks and um, a leopard will never change his spots. Not true. Absolutely not true. I can test all of that. Um, it, it's not true. And they're not helpful idioms to bring with us into the present day. Um, neither do we want, though, to be training people to be a certain way, because there are many ways to wash the wear, many ways to do things. And so... It's extremely important to understand that all of those human skills are teachable. And we live in a world of digital disruption where we have to turn up. You and I chatted about this as well. Digital is not everybody's um, cup of tea. It's it's not everybody's bag of tricks naturally. But we live in a world where we need product knowledge. Absolutely do. We need digital. Because we're not going to get anything across the line if we don't. We equally need human skills. And can vulnerability be taught? Yes, it can. Can the culture in an establishment change positively? Absolutely. When conversations happen in order to leverage mindset changes. But that goes back to not taking people, you know, by the seat of their pants into our way of thinking, but rather just dropping things in, um, inserting subjectively that there is another way to do it, allowing the emerging leaders an opportunity Mm. to speak you can be sure that the productivity of any ecosystem from a school to a multi-million dollar business will be better when there are times and opportunities built into the running of affairs on a day-to-day basis for the people that might normally not get to do anything other than clock in, do their work and clock out, get an opportunity to speak. The greatest of productivity I've seen happens when there's a voice given to people who normally don't get to sit at the boardroom table. And the beautiful part of that is the vulnerability that's shown from the top down in being open to that. So an open heart is a beautiful way to space. And I I, I chatted with Simon Hyde about this a good few years ago um, on my podcast, Told One with Sheila, and we talked about love in the boardroom. And it's, you know, it can sound for very linear people, sometimes maybe alpha male, sometimes, you know, left-brained people. Although I really feel the world has changed hugely. I, I don't know that that model is, is, is getting by anymore. I think everybody, I, I really want to say that I think that the world is beautifully awakening, not least since COVID. And I have the greatest respect for all of us who are trying to lean into heart-shaped living. So that's the boardroom as much as it is relationships. And it's about giving everybody their opportunity to be vulnerable. And if you find that you're in a space where people are not vulnerable, particularly if that's in your work and you need to measure the progress, metrics are important, 
I think it's the job then of certain individuals within departments to notice. You know, we still, digital will, will, will never be taken over by AI because there's always room for the human. The human will notice. The digital doesn't have that observing self. Human mm -hmm. beings do. Human doings don't. Human beings do. We can get into our observing selves and notice. There's a reason that, you know, she's not feeling so good today. I, I don't notice that she's loving her work. It's kind of on the last minute every day, but late some days, not calling into, you know, not arriving as consistently as she should. I wonder if everything okay for her. And having the personnel within the space, within the culture, as a given, that you're never too big, go and speak to Louise and say, is everything okay for you? What is that like? And never presuming that you know what Louise is going through because you see her sad or not turning up on time. Asking the question, because we can't jump into somebody else's experience. It's, it's not true to say, and again, it might be one of those idioms that we bring with us and, and we don't maybe check in with it often enough. Um, you know, it's not true to say, I know exactly how you feel. You don't. You mm -hmm. can pull from your own backstory what it must be like because you've experienced this, this and this, which you think is quite like it. But you don't know why Louise is crying today. You don't know why Louise last minute every day this week. So businesses can never get too big to stop and say to Louise, I notice that you're on the last minute. I notice you're, you know, you're absent on occasions. You've had to knock off early a few times. I feel that all is not well for you. Is there anything I can help you with? Can we as a business help you with anything? That's asking the question. That's being vulnerable from the top down and it allows the vulnerability from the bottom up. Mm. And apart from the obvious game, you might help one person. It's worth it if you help one person. You could be very sure in the bigger scheme of things that you'll help a department. And then mm. on the more spiritual level, you'll help the world because butterfly effect, minute in matter. We make that small change between you know, middle management and Louise or senior management and Sheila, if Sheila is at the bottom of the pecking order, you can be very sure that Louise will go home a happier person or go home a more cared for person, feeling a little bit more cared for, bring the knowledge and awareness of that into her home space, maybe help her to make some values-based decisions at home as opposed to emotions-based decisions because she felt seen and heard for a split second in work. Likewise, when home is safer, and or when you know how to access the help, if it's not, you go to work and you bring your more whole self to work. And so work productivity is better. So it's very much a two-way conversation with people. Human beings, we're pack animals. We need connection, quality connection. We need to be seen and heard. So vulnerability can be taught. There probably are people whose propensity is more naturally and perhaps environmentally, given their experience, inclined to being open and open allows for vulnerability organically. But equally, I have great faith in people. And if they're given the opportunity to turn their center towards vulnerability, and if it's taught healthily and wholesomely, everybody's benefit, then I absolutely have the utmost of faith in humankind. And kindness is what it's all about, at the center of everything. That's and yeah, people can learn it and bring change. Um, you don't have to hit your rock bottom to learn your lessons. I think that's the, the help you to learn. Uh, you, you can experience change from a place of love, awakening, to just expand more. Mm. Yeah, I think that that's just listening to what you said there. It 
and and it's funny because it's the you know we talked about the universe and 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 things showing up but I done a podcast with Paula King who is a master coach and she we're talking about coaching and culture and she said the exact same thing you said Sheila there is obviously something in it and which is it takes because I said you know how how do we I was really pushing back with her with the coaching you know people come and they say I want to do coaching and I want to have a coaching culture but I said you know does it actually happen then when they go back into the workplace or is it just you know we forget about it we go on another training day in a few months later and we don't actually implement it mm. uh, as such so she was saying it, it it just takes one conversation so it it doesn't have to be everyone you know if that one person is having as you said one of those heartful conversations and um, really trying to connect with that person and see how their day is uh, it it makes a huge difference um, and I love that whole idea of it's everyone has their own way of there's a there's, there's a way of approaching things and I think you touched on it we all come with our own talents and I remember and it's funny but retail is a very slow industry to change if anyone's been in it uh, hospitality is quite similar in uh, leadership is quite hard to change like the the tech kind of side of things are very much innovative when it comes to leadership we're still very slow um in in that whole way of of, of change I suppose within it it's very much it's it's it is quite old in in a lot of ways uh from from a change management perspective but it's it's just really interesting because we used to do training programs, Sheila, and, and I used to have managers ring me up and they'd go, I hired so-and-so. They seemed great in the interview. They're on the shop floor and they're just not approaching customers, okay? And they get really annoyed and they'd say, I go my lunch break and so she's not talking to the customers. The sales are down, blah, blah, blah. So I'd say, you know, observe her. You know, is she comfortable actually walking up to people? You know, is it? So I think a lot of it, you know, we can change a certain amount, but it's it's what our talents are. And I think you alluded to that in what you were saying. You know, what what is what do we feel aligned good with doing? So it turned out that girl was very much a methodical thinker. So she moved into the into the back of house space. She was put in more of an operational role, which she really excelled in. She didn't like the customer facing role, but it doesn't mean we've to force someone to fit into this whole idea of, you know, an all rounder or they're, you know, they can do everything. And I think sometimes with certain jobs, because especially retail and hospitality, there's a high turnover. Uh, you know, people are trying to get all the hours and the scheduling done. And, and we try and nearly go, right, we're going to have her cover all of these areas. We want them to be really good at multitasking, really good at this. But it's just not, you know, it's, it's not fair on the person. I think we're selling them short because we're we're nearly setting up to fail because we're not really spending the time to figure out you know what they're good at like you said and I know it's a time thing but I think when you get to that point with a person and sit down with them and say what do you get excited about coming in here to work you know um, and it could be something really small but by giving them a little bit of that you know on a regular basis it nearly lights a little bit of fire in them that they enjoy doing that particular task you know you know and, and it gives them a little bit of excitement coming into work in the morning so I, I did really I was listening to what you were saying there it was really interesting because I was thinking of I always think when someone tells me something can I actually attach that to a situation of you know we, we talk about prior learning for adults everything we do is based on yeah. prior learning and you know this we teach teaching with kids it's you know they're very much 
you know, they want to do new things. Whereas we are always, it's a safe thing. We're always kind of go, well, did I do this before, you know, or, or how do I bring what I've done in the last job into this new job, you know, because then I'll know how to do it and I'll feel a little bit safe and secure. Um, before we go, Sheila, there's one thing I wanted to ask. Do you think we're talking about vulnerability and I suppose everything is in balance. We talk about yin and yang and all of that. Do you think there is too much vulnerability and there is, you know, do you think there's a, 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 a bit of that? Because I've worked, I'll just give you a quick example. I worked in a place before where the manager was probably oversharing uh, and probably being too vulnerable to the point where the team were sucking up all that and it wasn't really healthy and that's why I'm, I'm touching on this because I think there's always two sides to a, a vulnerability piece so I'm just thinking how I suppose with that particular person I wasn't ma- I wasn't managing them at the time or I wasn't you know over them as such I wasn't their line manager but how how would you you know going in get that person to pull that vulnerability back a little bit you know without taking that from them in, in and having a positive spin on it because I'm thinking about that now when we're talking about vulnerability I'm thinking I wonder how would that go you know those conversations or or how would you structure that conversation if you had to deal with that Sheila yeah well it's again and that's very real because that happens yeah we live in a world now where you know mental health yeah. is common language now which is a wonderful thing yeah. at the time when it wasn't yeah and we had the whole it's okay to not be okay movement which at the time was amazing because pre that we didn't have kind of a gateway to yeah. in my opinion we're now at the point where we really should be piggybacking it's okay to be okay as a card and leaning into our emotional fitness and so you know building our resilience I, I always think it's and, and you're so right, neurobiologically, we are programmed to work out of patterns. Nothing is new. From the second we're born, we arrive into the world like overwords, but bugs, and we're just hardwired the neural pathways that we practice. So always new learning goes on top of old learning. Everything that we learn is like, it's a metaphor for something that happened before. So as we grow and become stronger, we are improving our neural pathways and hardwiring, hopefully, the things that are good for us and unlearning the things that aren't. So vulnerability is a very important strength, and it is a strength. And then there is that sense that you've suggested where somebody then is probably bordering on leaky. You know, there's no, there's no time and place for over sharing if you're doing your work. So to be honest, that's where we have the Venn diagram within mental health space, I think. And it's not just a workplace conversation. It's a family conversation. It's a romantic relationship conversation. It's a friendship conversation. You know, there's a time and a place as well for quality conversation. And if you find that somebody is, I, I'm gleaning from your situation, perhaps pathologically vulnerable in a place where there isn't an opportunity to do anything positive with it, as in to give them a hearing, help them to steer, then what you need is the emotional needs auditor coming in to literally go back to that linear process. So it's right brain because it's leaning into your emotional needs, but it's left brain because it's regular and repeated. So is your need for safety and security being met? Is your need for community being met? Is your need for agency, autonomy, control being met? Is it being overmet? We need our basic emotional needs to be met in balance in order for us to be able to access and maintain that sense of homeostasis as persons and then as people within the workplace. Is your need for status and control being met? 
Is it being overmet? If it's being overmet, that's not going to help you to be the best version of your lovely self either. Have you got meaning and purpose in what you do? If we gave you the opportunity to go into R&D, would you do better there? Or are you in R&D because you acquired the role because Louise left and you are next in line and it's better paid? Did we not perhaps interview correctly? Because it's never too much. And you can, from the top down, change the structure. So yes, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, there is a time and a place for getting in touch with your vulnerability. There's also a structure that's helpful for a business in terms of giving people the opportunity to get in touch with their vulnerability. And then there's a time when it's actually not vulnerability, it's something totally different. And it actually comes in on the mental health framework. And but you need that matters and it matters and it matters in a different way. It needs to be handled differently. I, I have a firm belief in the time being now for emotional needs auditors. Like there's a massive big budget for wellness. I have seen, however, companies who, have, who can tell you on a spreadsheet, we've spent this, 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 and this on wellness. And look, there's, look at the absenteeism and look at the lack of interest, et cetera. Look at the discontent, look at the disgruntlement, look at this case, you know, for unfair dismissal. What I would say is, you spent this amount on wellness. How, what did that look like? Okay, was there a consistency or was it a tick and flick? You know, fill in this quest questionnaire, attend this lunchtime thing online. Well, maybe people didn't even attend. They ran it in their kitchens, in the remote work, and went out and did their errands, which is equally important to keep your mental health right. Are you dressing it up and showing up for people in a real and tangible and relatable way? So the consistency of an emotional needs auditor arriving in, having conversations within departments, and with whole groups and with individuals to check, literally do that emotional needs audit, you know, scale of one to 10 every time, add up at the end what your score is, have an indicate that has to be able to be done in five minutes by way of checking in with self, but then making the space to have the conversation that will change for the better. More importantly than anything is the feedback then from each strata within the company to the leaders, the decision makers, so that those um, so problem solving uh, and those executive decisions are made respectfully and that people in the leadership roles then are able to get in touch with their vulnerability and they don't see it as a weakness and they can notice how they're doing it differently will grow that person, will grow the business organically and let's hope that they will become a little bit consciously incompetent and say perhaps grow them too because we're all one. There's no one leader matter many multi-millions they have, no one person is perfect and has it all learned because if they were, they wouldn't be here. They'd be on the way back to refuel and come in again as somebody else. Just saying. I love that, Sheila. Um, it's been such a fantastic discussion and it's been so interesting and really thought-provoking, everything we were talking about today. If people want to reach out to you, Sheila, how do they find you? How do they contact you? Check me out on TG Cahar. I'm on Ross Naroon. It's Michelle Crystal Duran. I'm presently acting on Ross Naroon, and that is taking a lot of my uh, my manners, my business hours. I am loving it. Um, really hoping to grow my acting career. So if there are any directors out there, I had the amazing 
experience of meeting um, Neil Jordan very briefly now in, a, in unfortunate circumstances. And so whilst I was naughty enough to doorstep him, I, I kept it very brief. I hope I was respectful and dignified. I was very uh, starstruck, I have to say. I had met him previously, so I reminded him who I was. And I took the opportunity to say that I'm open for business, which was a bit naughty and quite vulnerable. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, you know, that's a whole other conversation. I'm actually so, I'm like a child in a sweet shop when it comes to acting. I want the big role. I've long since decided that I want to play Matthew McConaughey's mother in the story of his life. I mean, I have this decided. I love it. If you're not watching me on Ross and Brilliant, which I'll be there, I hope every Tuesday and Thursday for the next couple of months at least, I am contactable on LinkedIn and Instagram at Sheila Ihiran. And we can pop the spelling of that into the show notes because I know the pronunciation is a little bit of a, a trip hazard. And um, yeah, and my business is Whole in One with Sheila. I operate out of Dundalk. But as I say, I'm, I'm, my business has shrunk back very hugely at the moment because I'm throwing my heart into acting. And I'm really hoping to lean into acting for the afternoon of my life. Okay, fantastic. We're going to see Sheila on light somewhere. We're going to be, I can, I can, visualization and all of that. I can totally see it happening with Sheila. When you meet her, you can just, you can see it. She's just gone, you know, she's just going there. Um, so thank you so much for coming on, Sheila. And I can't wait to share this out across. And yeah, definitely reach out to Sheila. Watch it on TNG. I did actually watch a clip of it. I told her this hilarious, really amazing character. Um, and I'm not fluent in Gaeltacht. Um, I did learn Irish, but you don't need to actually be fluent no. to actually get it. It's it's fantastic. So even if you are thinking it's all right, no, you will absolutely love it. It's fantastic. And her character is hilarious I love it a uh, brilliant character so thank you so much Sheila and have a fantastic day